It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome one, welcome more, welcome all to a brand new edition of everybody's favorite podcast. Random thoughts and best regards. He used to reside in the 5-2. Now he spends his time at the truly beautiful intersection of smart and stupid. Some call him the handsome one. You know him, you love him. He's the voice of reason, T-O-double-D. All right, here we go. Welcome into another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I am your host, T-O-double-D. And I hope everybody is doing well, well indeed. Welcome in. What's going on as we head towards the month of November already? Can you believe that? We are just two weeks away from November. Wild, wild. Lots of stuff going on um, towards the end of the month here. Um, this week, we've got the NBA getting underway the start of the regular season. We've got the MLB playoffs underway, which we are going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show today. We are in the uh, championship series now of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, in the American League, it is the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. And in the National League, it is the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. We will cover all of that later uh, and so much more. We've got all of the Kyrie Irving talk this week. Um, we're going to hit on that and a many, many subject on this week's episode. Uh, so other than that, like I said, I hope everybody is well. Well, indeed, I mentioned the month of November coming around the corner. And the month of November is going to signal um, a sad moment in retail um, and kind of a, a link to my childhood. Uh, I just heard the report the other day that in November... The last Kmart, which is located in Garden City, Michigan, will be going out of business. Uh, And I do believe that that was the original Kmart, um, and that is also the last Kmart to keep its doors open, um, and that sadly will come to an end this November. So Kmart will be no more. Um, I always think fondly of Kmart uh, when I was a kid spent a lot of time there um, with my grandparents, my parents. Uh, we had a Kmart in Lodi, New Jersey, uh, which was a town right next to where I grew up in Garfield. And uh, we'd go to that Kmart quite often. It was maybe only about five minutes uh, from our house. And uh, we'd go there, there quite often. And uh, I always remember, especially as a youngster, uh, in the back of the store, there used to be like the cafeteria area and they would serve like ices and hot dogs. And uh, I remember going there often with my my grandma, my grandpa on uh, my dad's side, and then my nana on my mom's side. Um, we'd often go to that Kmart, get a toy, or a many other various things. Uh, I do have a funny Kmart story. Uh, it was a little scary for me at the time, but uh, now looking back at it as an adult, it's, it's kind of a funny story. But uh, there was one time, I think I might have been, I don't think I was more than seven, maybe seven or eight, and we were in the toy section. We were with my mom. And I, I know my brother was with us. I think my sister might have been with us too. And um, I wanted a toy. I don't remember what the toy was. I vaguely remember. I think like my my mom was back like in the the sports toy section. So maybe like not so much the toys, but kind of like like the Nerf balls and the basketballs and like those types of things. And she was looking at something with my brother. And I walked over with a toy, and I asked her if I could get the toy. And I guess there was some misinterpretation. Long story short, she said that I could, but I misunderstood it and thought she said that I couldn't. 
So I then went to put the toy back where I found it. Uh, when my mom turned around, I was gone, so she couldn't find me. Uh, so she started to look for me in the same token. I had tried to come back to where I thought they were, and they weren't. So then I got like, you know, nervous and anxiety. Again, I think I was maybe only seven. Um, so I immediately always remembered that if you got lost in the store, you could go to the front desk. And, and at, at the time in Kmart, there you, you would come through the doors, right? You come through like the sliding doors. Um, and then there was like this square, um, like round desk almost in the center. And it had plexiglass. It had like high plexiglass. And it had the blue light on top. Um, that would spin when they're making an announcement about whatever the blue light special was. Um, so anyway, I'd, I'd gone up there and uh, I said to the, the person, the cashier lady or whatever she was at the time, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I got lost from my, my parents and I know they're in the store, but I can't find them. And so she said, okay, you know, do you know your, your mommy or your daddy's name? So of course I, I told them my mom's name um, and they paged her over the loudspeaker. Uh, and I'll always remember that and it was always funny. Uh, and, and then you know, needless to say, we were we were quickly reunited because um, she had already been, been looking for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I was kind of freaked out in that moment where I couldn't find my parents. But I remember to go to the front desk at the Kmart and have uh, my parents page. So I can tell you that that is the Kmart is the only store uh, that has the designation <laughs> in my family, at least, where one of my parents was uh, called for over the PA system because uh, old little Todd got lost. Um, so again, I, Kmart holds a lot of memories for me. Uh, I can almost still remember the layout to the Kmart um, in Lodi, and I think there was one. There was one, I think either I don't remember now. I don't know if it was in Fairlawn or Ridgewood, New Jersey, um, but I do remember it was near the uniform shop where uh, I, I went to private school, and every year we'd have to get uh, new uniforms, and, and I remember we would go get uniforms. And then we'd go over to the, the Kmart, and like always, I'd try to talk myself into a toy. Um, and I have to laugh now because I wonder where Jonah gets it from, right? Um, very, very similar. <laughs> Except for him, it's Target. Um, but, you know, Kmart, Kmart is going out of business uh, this November. Uh, again, the last store, which is up in Michigan, is going to be closing. And uh, it's an end of an era. Uh, for the for the retail store Kmart, it's gonna be sad to see it go. Again, as I said, I had a lot of memories, and this kind of this kind of this one stings a little bit. Not as much as Toys R Us. Toys R Us stung a lot, um, but Kmart was a significant one in, in my childhood. Um, so I'm gonna miss that. Um, and the Kmart, uh, sorry, Toys R Us one. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving in the car, and I heard this report about Kmart closing, and I was thinking about Toys R Us, and I remember how upset Jonah was. Uh, when Toys R Us closed and you know sometimes you do things as a parent you think it's good and then in retrospect you're like oh that wasn't a, a, a good move but I remember um, as Toys R Us was starting to close I would still go on a weekly basis I would take Jonah because I don't think I'd let him know immediately that it was closing but I wanted him to get like visits in before it actually closed so we'd go on like a weekly basis um, and then I thought it was a good thing I did I, I thought it was gonna um, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a good thing. Um, but I realized I took it a little too far. I should have stopped at a certain point um, and just let his memories be what they were of the store because I took him like right up until the week before they closed. And 
in the end, it was like a bunch of empty shelves. Uh, there was only in the like front right-hand corner of the store was the only place that it had toys. So the rest of the store was like empty shelvings and actually like taped off with, with tape so that you couldn't even go that way. It was depressing. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, it was depressing. And I, it, in retrospect now, uh, even though I was trying to, to, to get as many Toys R Us and visit, Toys R Us visits in with Jonah as I could, in retrospect, I kind of wish uh, that I didn't take that last one especially because it was it was, a, it was like a graveyard um, and, and it was sad and I remember we walked out of the store and he was he was frustrated and sad that Toys R Us was closing and he's like I don't even care um, and in that moment I was like gosh like you know he got a toy but again just seeing that image I wish the imagery I could have done done differently I probably should have stopped like uh, maybe uh, two weeks before the store actually closed but again that's part of parenting right you, you live and you learn um and I mean, ultimately, really, no harm, no foul. That's just one of those things that you kind of live and you learn. If I could have done it a little differently, um, I probably would have. But uh, it made me think about that the other day when I heard that Kmart, uh, the final doors of Kmart, were going to be closing up there in Michigan. Um, listen, we got a great show. We got a lot to talk about. Some of it's going to sound very similar to last week's show because it's a lot of hot-button topics that are still uh, front-page news so to speak, this week. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about. So uh, stick and stay. Don't go anywhere. Random thoughts and best regards. We'll be back in just a short, short. This week will signal the start of a new NBA campaign, and there are so many storylines that we've already touched on on Random Thoughts and Best Regards and that we'll continue to speak about uh, as the season rolls on. But, of course, the big story Uh, Right, wrong, or otherwise, whether you agree or disagree, the biggest story, uh, especially over the last two weeks, has been the situation with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. The story has been going on and dragging on for quite a while, but over the last two weeks, it's really kind of amped up and and there's been, you know, sort of gasoline on, on the fire. You heard Marvin and Terrence speak about it when they were on the show last week. And, uh, of course, I'm going to go ahead and dig into it a little further now um, because we got the announcement from the Brooklyn Nets this week that until there is a change in status, Kyrie Irving will not participate in any Brooklyn Nets activities until further notice. So, basically... Kyrie is out until either A, he decides he'll get vaccinated, or B, the state mandates in New York change, and Kyrie is allowed to join the team. Now, again, we spoke about this a lot on last week's show, and um, I'm going to talk about it more now uh, since we have this decision from the Brooklyn Nets because it is it is an interesting scenario now. One thing that I do want to make clear really early out of the shoot in this conversation is, you know, I saw a lot on Twitter this week and it just goes to show you, there are sometimes I love Twitter and then there's sometimes I'm just like, oh God, I can't with people. Um, there were a lot of people who were pointing back and wrongfully so, pointing back to Magic Johnson being allowed to play with HIV AIDS in, what was it, 90, 91, whenever that happened. Um, and there were a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, you know, the league let Magic play with, with HIV and 
1990, what's what's the difference here with letting Kyrie play unvaccinated? <sighs> People, just take a few minutes in life to do some research. And I'm not talking about, you know, Kyrie research. Just, just read something or know what you're talking about before you spout off about it. The NBA is not stopping Kyrie Irving from participating in this NBA season. The NBA has players who are not vaccinated that will take part in this NBA season. Kyrie Irving cannot participate in this NBA season because of a state mandate for the state that he plays in. This has nothing to do with the NBA. This is bigger than the NBA. The NBA is allowing unvaccinated players to play. It's just some of them are fortunate enough that they're not in New York or San Francisco where there are state mandates that don't allow them to play. This has nothing to do with the NBA stopping them from playing. So your flimsy argument about the NBA allowing Magic to play with AIDS in 1990 doesn't hold any water when it comes to Kyrie Irving because the NBA is not stopping Kyrie Irving from participating in this season. If anything, it's the state mandate in New York and now his own team, the Brooklyn Nets, that are saying, we're not paying or we're not going to partake in a part-time player. You're not just going to come play on road games. You know, again, it's a scenario where he wouldn't be able to play in Brooklyn He wouldn't be able to play in Madison Square Garden when they play the Knicks, and he wouldn't be able to play when they play the Golden State Warriors. I painted the picture the other day. You never know. What if? But what happens if it's Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, and there's still the mandates in place? Kyrie wouldn't be able to play in any of the games. So let's talk about this more now and and what happened this week. Um, So the Nets came out, and they said, this is our decision. We'll move forward without him until something changes. So basically until state mandates are eased or until Kyrie decides he wants to get vaccinated. Um, Steve Nash, in a press conference, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, said he's entitled to his decision, that being Kyrie, but he's no longer talking about the subject. So to me, the Brooklyn Nets have already turned the page. And I don't think this bodes well for Kyrie Irving's future in Brooklyn, to be very honest with you. Uh, Depending on how long this goes and how long Kyrie digs his feet in the sand, I don't think this bodes well for his future, especially if the Nets see that they can win without him and it is more fun of an environment not having to worry about Kyrie being Kyrie, not having to worry about Is he going to want to play this week or is he going to want to take a 72-hour vacation to hang with his sister at a birthday party Um, or is he going to want to go to a flat earth convention or, you know, is he going to blow up at Nike because they didn't consult him about his sneakers? Like, these are all the things, all the distractions that come with Kyrie. The Nets may find that, you know what, we're still winning and we don't have to deal with the sideshow. It may, it may signify the end of Kyrie in Brooklyn. It is very possible 
that we will not see Kyrie Irving in a Brooklyn Nets uniform again. And let's just sit on that thought for a moment. And let's talk about Kyrie now. Because at some point, you've got to look in the mirror and the fingers have to start pointing back, right? Kyrie, listen, incredible talent, right? I mean, and I think that's what is so frustrating to people sometimes. Um, Kyrie Irving is an incredible talent, has amazing ball handling skills, right? Solid score, amazing ball handling skills. Um, You know, I still, I I was having this debate with my friend Toro a couple weeks ago. Uh, Not better than Allen Iverson, in my opinion, but top level, all-time great ball handling skills in Kyrie Irving. Um, Fabulous sneakers, right? Kyrie's Nikes, fabulous sneakers. Um, Kyrie's got a lot of things going for him, right? But there's also this, let's be honest now, we're seeing it, self-destructive side of Kyrie, right? So let's look at this now, because again, I'm not doing anything but presenting what has been given to us. I do this a lot when I talk about Kawhi Leonard, when I say that Kawhi's probably not going to play for the Clippers this season just because of all the information, all the data that Kyrie has given, uh, Kawhi has given us in the past. Well, now let's kind of dissect and look at Kyrie's data a little bit. Let's look at the, the data that Kyrie has given us. Goes to Cleveland, right? Is a top star in Cleveland. They add LeBron into the mix. LeBron comes home, right? Aside from a few hiccups with J.R. Smith, Cleveland wins a championship. Everybody's happy, right? The drought is over. LeBron came home. LeBron's won the championship. Um, Kawhi, or (laughs) Kyrie, not Kawhi, Kyrie wins a championship. The first of many, right? Like, that's what we're thinking at that time. When, When Bron and Kyrie win that championship, we're thinking this is the first of many, right? Well, he hasn't won one since. And he decided he wanted out of Cleveland. He was playing. He was paired up with an all-time great, maybe the greatest in LeBron James. And he decides, Mm-mm, I'm no second fiddle. I want to go to my own team and win a championship. So he gets what we think at the time, right? is a sweet-ass deal to the Boston Celtics. And we think, oh, this is a no-brainer. You got you got Kyrie, you got Jason Tatum. You know, this is, the, the Celtics are on their way to a championship. This is, you know, Kyrie's going to get his second championship now. And then that falls apart. And we're blaming Boston, right? Like, all of us are saying, oh, this is Boston's fault. This is, this is on Danny Ainge, this is on the GM, this is on the coach, this is on Brad Stevens. You know, we're, we're blaming everybody but Kyrie in this moment, right? We're blaming everybody. This is Boston. Boston's a mess, right? Boston, it's all Boston's fault. All right. Then Kyrie goes to Brooklyn. This can't miss, right? 
Kyrie in Brooklyn. Then Kevin Durant's coming to Brooklyn. James Harden is coming to Brooklyn. What more? How? What more? What better situation could you want if you're Kyrie Irving? You've got it all, man. You've got it all. You've got an all-star team. And they still can't win. And he still finds a way to be a disruption and to cause an issue and make it about him. So now, in Cleveland, he made it about him for one reason or another. In Boston, he made it about him for one reason or another. And now in Brooklyn, he's made it about him for one reason or another. Now, I'm not saying that in certain instances, Kyrie might have not been wrong. I'm not saying that maybe there were things Cleveland could have done better. I'm not saying that maybe there were things that Boston could have done better. In fact, I'm pretty sure there were things that Boston could have done better. But nevertheless, and I'm not saying that there are not things that Brooklyn could do better in this situation. But come on, man. How many times is it everybody else and everything else and not you, man? How many times do you look in the mirror and don't see the finger pointing back at you? This is on you, Kyrie. This situation right now is on you. And you took to Instagram, or IG as the kids call it the other day, and I don't think you did yourselves any I don't think you did yourself any favors. I, I truly don't. And I know in your head you might have thought you did yourself some favors, but I think that's where the problem is, honestly, Kyrie. I think in your head there's a different kind of wave going on that you think you're doing the right thing and then it gets out and it's not the right thing. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to understand where Kyrie is coming from, but he makes it very hard to, and I, I'm, I'm pretty much ready to give up. Like I, I don't think I should spend any more time trying to figure out what, or look for the redeeming things and what Kyrie is trying to accomplish here. Um, as we talked about on last week's show, and as he kind of confirmed in his little IG thing at some odd hour of the morning uh, last week, Kyrie is not anti-vax, I guess. He is anti-mandate, and he is standing up for those who are being forced to make a decision between getting a vaccination or losing their jobs. He feels that he has the disposable income to make this stand to, to bring light to a situation where a government or a company is forcing someone to get the vaccine or lose their job. Uh, so, first hole first hole I'm going to poke right in this is the NBA is not forcing Kyrie to get a vaccine or lose his job. That's the first hole I'm going to poke in this. Yes, the government, the New York state government is saying you cannot play in this city without being vaccinated. So I'll give him that. But the NBA is not forcing him to be vaccinated in order to keep his job. Also, 
what light is Kyrie going to shine on this? So what I guess was trying to figure out here is what is Kyrie going to do aside from sitting out the NBA season? If he's just sitting out the NBA season in a silent protest, what good is going to come of this? How is he going to help those who are forced with this decision? I, I don't get it. I don't really see him out there being an advocate for a better solution. I don't see him presenting solutions. I don't see him going to the state government in New York and talking to them. I don't see him going to D.C. and talking to politicians. Like I don't, I don't know what kind of groundwork he's doing to to create a groundswell for change. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. The other thing is, you know, he talks about the decision that people have to make and you know he has a disposable income to be able to go ahead and 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 help them in this this battle uh there were a lot of people employed by the various arenas across this country sports arenas nba arenas who had a choice they either had to get vaccinated or they could no longer walk work for the arenas a lot of these arenas are up and running for the NBA season because people chose whether it was their belief or not they figured you know what it's best for the greater good that we get vaccinated and go back to work um, and now Kyrie saying you know what you guys made that choice you guys went you know the, the, the concession person the, the ticket taker the usher you know some of those people may have felt the same exact way that Kyrie felt but when the rubber met the road and they were told you either get vaccinated or you can't work in this arena, they said, you know what, for the greater good, we'll get vaccinated. Those people made that choice. And here is Kyrie saying, well, you know what, you guys sacrificed, you guys made that decision, but I'm good. I'm not going to come play this NBA season because um, I don't want to get vaccinated. I'm not anti-vax, but I don't want to get vaccinated because I want to prove a point. What point are you proving? You don't think that those people wanted to prove a point either? But the bottom line is, a lot of them still probably had to put food on the table. For a lot of them, that may have been their only source of income. And they had a decision to make. Also, it goes back to the same whole thing with this is... It's not about, God, this is so frustrating when it comes to the vaccination argument. Um, Getting the vaccine is not about you. It's about protecting those who can't protect themselves. There are some people out there who are autoimmune deficient who can't get the shot. There are some out out there who are immune compromised who could be susceptible to to being you know to being gravely ill yes I agree and I've said it before on this show I am vaccinated it's a personal choice the reason why I chose to get vaccinated was to protect others because you know what yes I could get COVID and I could probably be okay maybe right it's a gamble you don't know but I could get COVID and maybe yeah 
maybe after two weeks of being on my ass or, or whatever it takes, you know, I'll, I would slowly bounce back and ultimately I'd be okay. But I got the vaccine because I didn't want to have COVID and be okay in two weeks, but possibly pass it on to somebody else who wouldn't be okay in two weeks, who might potentially die. Like, I could have, I could be asymptomatic. You know, I could not get the vaccine. I could be asymptomatic, not even know I have COVID and pass it on to somebody who's autoimmune compromised or somebody who has an immune deficiency and they could die because of my selfish actions. I just, again, I look at this and no matter how Kyrie tries to spin it, you can't not see the selfish aspect of it. You know, we came down, so many people kind of, and, and it's what the media does, you know, everybody kind of whoomp on top of Andrew Wiggins when Andrew Wiggins uh, applied for his religious exemption. At least Andrew Wiggins applied for religious exemption. Kyrie didn't even do that. Because again, it's, he's, it's not a religious reason that he's doing this. Um, you know, and Andrew Wiggins ultimately said, if forced to, then yes, I will get the vaccine. And Andrew Wiggins ultimately said, because of his wife, because of his baby, after talking to his teammates and everything else, he made the decision, he'd get vaccinated, he got vaccinated. It just, you know, Terrence brought it up the other last week on the show that KD needs to talk to Kyrie. And I said it, and I believe it. That conversation already happened. And KD got nowhere with Kyrie. It's clear, right? This, this action is clear that KD and company got nowhere with Kyrie. And again, it's selfish on Kyrie's part to think that, you know, um, he was only going to come in and be a part-time player and play in, you know, away games. And his team was going to bust their ass to get home court advantage throughout the playoffs. And potentially they could be putting themselves at, by getting home court advantage, they could be punishing themselves because then that's less games that Kyrie could play in. The Nets made the absolutely 100% right decision here. There is no arguing that whatsoever, ever. This is what the Nets needed to do. I said it last week's show. It is a business, and the Nets made the right business decision when it comes to Kyrie and the current state of the Nets. Now, does this change? If exemptions change, if mandates change, and New York loosens restrictions, and Kyrie can come back and play, do they open? Do they welcome him with open arms? Maybe? Sure? I don't really know. I don't really know the answer to that question yet. Uh, they may. They may. But I don't know. And I think that it is completely possible and completely within the realm of possibility that we may have seen Kyrie Irving play his last game in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I'm telling you, if the Nets are cooking on all cylinders and KD and Harden can stay healthy, I mean, if this team wins a championship without Kyrie, I don't know if there's much of a point to dealing with everything that comes with Kyrie. Right? I don't know if the Nets want to go down that road. I mean, I think Steve Nash, to be very honest, I think Steve Nash was over it last year. And it was just his first year as head coach. I definitely think he's over it now. 
I'm pretty sure that KD and Harden may be over it as well. I, you know, again, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know the discussions. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. And the thing is, again, the thing is, this is a personal choice right now. Kyrie plays for a team that has a state mandate that doesn't allow him to play if he is not vaccinated. This is not the NBA's fault. This is a state mandate from New York. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that the NBA is stopping him from playing. Kyrie could essentially be traded to any team except the Golden State Warriors right now and be able to play a full NBA season except for when he travels to Golden State, Brooklyn, or MSG uh, to take on the Knicks. So there's a lot here. It's it's going to be a story for a minute. Uh, it is going to eclipse whatever good the Brooklyn Nets are doing for right now at the start of the season. Uh, they're going to have to probably answer and deal with a lot of questions, um, especially, you know, depending what type of start they get off to. Um, but it's just, it's a weird situation. Again, I don't think Kyrie did himself any favors with the, the IG posts uh, the other night. I, I wish he would have done some kind of, even if they had to do it off property because of, of you know, the, the, the rules that are kind of being enforced on the Nets. I feel like there should have been some kind of joint press conference where he kind of spoke his piece along with Nets ownership and management. Uh, but even that, maybe they... Maybe the Nets didn't want any part of that. You know, the more I think about it, maybe that was an option on the table, and the Nets were like, nah, bro, we're good. Um, And that's why he took to IG to get his voice out there. Um, It's just weird, and I just think it's very... I don't think, like many things with Kyrie, I just don't see a cognizant flow. Um, There's always peaks and valleys in his thought process, and it's it's not secular. Um... It's, um, you know, he is against corporate mandates. He's against government mandates for the shot. So what I want to know is if, just if, Nike said all of their employees had to be vaccinated, right? And people were forced to make that decision of, I'm against the shot, but I'm going to lose my job if I don't get vaccinated. Would Kyrie still continue? to have his name on Nike products? Like, how deep is his convictions? Like, how deep does this run? This is, all right, so you're sitting out, you're sitting out the NBA season uh, right now because your hand is being forced. Um, and I do think, I do think, you know, again, if clearly if you weren't playing in Brooklyn, you'd probably be playing this season. But because you are playing in Brooklyn because they are not releasing the mandates and they won't give in to, to your kind of protest, uh, you're going to sit out. You're not going to play to prove your point. Well, but if all Nike employees had to be vaccinated, would you also give up that Nike check? You know, I talked about this before when he had a problem with his sneakers. I didn't see him returning any checks from Nike. I still saw him cashing Nike checks. Um, so again, it, I, it's often interesting when we get into these scenarios of how deep does somebody's convictions truly run? Um, and here we are, you know, with with Kyrie and and I guess you know we're, we're going to continue to follow the story and and continue to, to talk about it as we progress into the NBA season hi this is Matt Farragher 
You might remember me from your visit to Epcot Center circa 2000, 2001. I'd like to talk with you about my favorite brand of vegetarian chili, but first, let me tell you about my favorite podcast hosted by someone named Todd. You're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen and laugh. The first AP poll for college basketball came out this week, and pretty exciting that the Kansas Jayhawks are ranked number three in the nation, so looking forward to the college basketball season and uh, hoping that my Jayhawks have a good season and potentially compete for the national championship, uh, especially since I still still a little salty about 2020, um, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that my Jayhawks are number three in the nation in the AP poll, and uh, we'll see. College basketball season will get underway in just a few weeks. Um, staying in the in the world of basketball, in the realm of basketball, um, I saw this story the other day, and I li- literally said, what the shit? Um, have you guys heard the story about Vanessa Bryant? Kobe Bryant's widow. Um, Vanessa Bryant has been asked to undergo psychiatric testing to prove the extent and nature of her alleged emotional injuries over the images of the fatal January 2020 helicopter crash that, of course, killed her husband, Kobe, and daughter, Gianna Bryant, and seven others. Um... I don't know if you guys remember the story. I mean, clearly you remember the story of Kobe's helicopter crash. Uh, But I don't know if you remember the story about the police department. There were some rumors. Some, I guess guess there was an actual investigation that they found proof that this did happen. But I guess there were different cell phone photos uh, taken by different officers and and different people uh, on the scene of the crash uh, that they didn't need to be taken it, it wasn't it wasn't that these people were investigators it wasn't uh they didn't need to pull out their personal devices and take photos of the crash scene and apparently some of these photos were shared amongst each other not publicly per se i say per se not publicly per se but were shared amongst each other where i guess there there is a uh, a scenario where uh, in a bar, these photos were passed around. Um, there's, there's a lot here. So, so clearly, um, just knowing these are out there has done some kind of psychological or emotional damage to Vanessa Bryant. Um, clearly, she doesn't have to see these photos because I guess that's kind of one of the tent poles of the attorneys representing the Los Angeles County uh, as one of the temples of their argument that, well, Vanessa didn't actually see these photos, so how could she be emotionally upset or, or have distress from them? Alright. Check this out, bro. Let's not even make this about her husband, Kobe, right? It's her daughter that died in that helicopter crash. You're telling me that if your child died in a helicopter crash and you knew that somebody who was not an investigator and had no business taking or needing photos 
of the crime scene, took those photos, and was later on showing them to people, that that wouldn't upset or cause you emotional stress? I can't... I can't side with L.A. County on this one. I can't. Um, as I said, attorneys representing Los Angeles County put in a request for a psyche... Uh, physician-ran test, sorry. Uh, amid the ongoing lawsuit, the 39-year-old widow of the late NBA icon filed against the Sheriff's Office and Fire Department for negligence and invasion of privacy. Clearly, this was an invasion of privacy. Uh, Vanessa brought the lawsuit after accusing the authorities of uh, improperly sharing images from the crash site, including at a bar, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, According to reports, the motion was filed Friday, October 15th, and if approved by a judge would mean Vanessa and several others would have to complete the testing ahead of the trial. Court documents obtained by CNN, let's credit CNN for the story, show that L.A. County defense attorneys claim that the, uh, claim, this is what I was talking about earlier, uh, L.A. County defense attorneys claim that the uh, emotional uh, distress and mental injuries were not caused by any conduct, any conduct of the defendants, but rather by the tragic helicopter crash resulting in the death of their loved ones. The county's legal team also asserted that Vanessa could not be suffering distress from accident site photos that they that have never been seen and were never publicly disseminated. All right, let's let's try to chop this paragraph apart. Um. Attorneys are arguing, obviously, again, I'll I'll read it again. Uh, Emotional and mental injuries were not caused by any conduct of the defendants, but rather by the tragic helicopter crash and the resulting deaths of their loved ones. Sure. Yes. But this scenario also doesn't help. And this scenario compounds those emotional and mental injuries. I I, I don't see how there's any argument otherwise when it comes to this um, I love that the legal team is asserting that Vanessa cannot be suffering distress from accident site photos that they have never seen and that were not publicly disseminated uh, again put yourself in her shoes and uh, I don't think you'd be singing the same tune I think you'd be singing a different tune um, attorneys representing Vanessa and others push back against the county's argument uh, and request for psychiatric evaluations, stating that the complaint complaint merely claims emotional distress does not place the party's mental condition in controversy and said that the county should figure out a way to evaluate emotional stress by a less intrusive means. Uh, it does not take an expert and certainly it does not take an involuntary eight-hour psychiatric examination for a jury to assess the nature and extent of emotional distress caused by the defendant's misconduct. Again, that's from the attorneys of Vanessa, and I agree 100% with that last paragraph. It does not take an expert, and it certainly does not take an involuntary eight-hour psychiatric examination for a jury to assess the nature. That's so those the nature and extent that's such a key phrasing right there does not take uh, it does not take an eight hour examination 
for a jury to assess the nature and extent of emotional distress caused by the defendant's misconduct, which clearly it was misconduct. Um, The judge is set to hear the matter in a hearing scheduled for November 5th. According to Friday's court filing, the trial is scheduled to begin in February of 2022, so almost two years uh, since the fateful crash that took both uh, Gianna and Kobe Bryant's lives. Um, I I get it. Um, Los Angeles County has to do their part and and try to fight this, uh, to try to protect their law enforcement, protect their assets, whatever else, but I just, I, this to me, I, I, I think this is just such a, a slam dunk on Vanessa's side, um, no pun intended there with the basketball terminology, but I, I, I believe this is an easy, easy one, uh, for Vanessa and her legal team, um, and I, 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 I mean, maybe, maybe she does have to undergo this involuntary psychiatric examination um but i I think in the long run she's still going to win her case uh either way i don't don't think it's going to affect the outcome of the case because uh again the jury is going to look at the nature and the extent of the emotional distress and and they're going to find what they find and, and i think they'll definitely find in favor of vanessa on this one comedic genius norm mcdonald uh the great comedian would have turned 62 on October 17th. And um, again, as, as we said on that show a few weeks ago, uh, Norm MacDonald, one of my favorite stand-up comedians, uh, and just uh, provided so many laughs for me. Um, and so I thought what we would do in honor of what would have been Norm's 62nd birthday, um, Yahoo! had compiled a list of uh, 10 great lines from Norm MacDonald. So I thought what we'd do as a happy birthday to Norm, we'd go ahead, thanks to Yahoo, and go over these 10 great lines by Norm MacDonald. So here we go, number 10. Uh, Comedy is surprises, so if you're intending to make someone laugh and they don't laugh, that's funny. Number nine, I find there's not a great work ethic in show business. A lot of people are in it to make money, and coming from stand-up, you have to work so hard because almost nothing works. And if you lose the audience for three minutes, you're dead. Number eight. I always told everybody the perfect joke would be where the setup and the punchline were identical. Number seven. All my life's about is cracking up people and them cracking me up and trying not to think about dying. That doesn't cost very much money. Number six. It's a very odd thing with Hollywood. Where you do stand up, you're good at it. Then they go, how would you like to be a horrible actor? Then you say, all right, that sounds good. I'll do it. Number, I think five. Let's hope I can count properly. Number five, I'm absolutely no good at networking. I'm terrible at acting. I'm terrible at dealing with executives. I'm terrible at collaborating, and I say whatever I want to say. But I think I'm good enough at comedy that I can survive. Number four, you can't love your team without hating another team. Uh, 
Norm McDonald, a huge LA Dodgers fan. I'm sure if he were here, he would have enjoyed their victory over the San Francisco Giants because I'm sure that was one of those teams that he was referencing there when it comes to hating. Uh, number three, you ever be having a really good dream, then uh, right in the middle of the dream, you wake up right in the best part of the dream. And there you are back in your stinking life again. Man, that's rough, eh? Number two. With the computer and stuff, the difference between a rich guy and a poor guy, to me, is nothing. Because I don't like big houses. I don't drive a car. So, you know, I just live in a small apartment and I have a computer, which is really cool. And the number one Norm MacDonald line, I would love to stay at SNL forever but you can't stay in the same place. People think you're a loser. Again, those were the top 10 Norm MacDonald lines given to us by Yahoo this week in order of his birthday. Again, Norm would have been 62 years old uh, and he passed away last month. A a great comedian, a great stand-up, and in honor of Norm and in honor of his birthday, uh, coming up out of the break here, we will have Jonah's joke. That's right, Jonah will join us uh, to further his stand-up comedian career. And uh, this will be a special appearance by Jonah. And in honor of Norm MacDonald, he will deliver us a stand-up joke. Why does the duck wear pants? Why? To cover the butt quack. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dana, and you might remember me from such random thoughts and best regards episodes as the Great British Bake Off and Explaining True Crime. Todd is as handsome as they come and has a voice to match, and you're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Listen to in over a dozen countries on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen, laugh. You know, I had originally penciled in for this segment of Random Thoughts and Best Regards to go ahead and talk about uh, John Gruden and... uh, that whole mess that's continued the, the fallout this week and, and talk about how Gruden received topless photos of Washington football team cheerleaders on and the other various emails that were sent back and forth on WashingtonFootballTeam.com email addresses, again, the team's former name, so WashingtonBleep.com. Um, but it just amazes me. It, it amazes me that people were dumb enough to to do this stuff, um, and again, dumb enough to do it, and not realize that there'd be a paper trail, and dumb enough to do it on corporate emails, uh, and that goes for Gruden as well. Um, it's, it's just mind blowing stuff. But anyway, I I was going to talk about that, um, but then I, I saw this other story, and I thought it was cooler and and more deserving. More importantly, it was just more deserving of my time, more deserving of our time. Um, and it's about Michael J. Fox, and uh, it's about uh, how um, his foundation has raised over a billion dollars to help find a Parkinson's disease cure. And uh, Michael J. Fox has stated that uh, he won't stop till it happens. In 1991, at the age of 29, Michael J. Fox was told he had Parkinson's disease. Two years after going public with his diagnosis, he launched the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's uh, research to help fund research and therapies for cures. 
The organization, as I mentioned, has since raised more than $1 billion. Uh, On October 23rd of this year, Fox will celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the foundation, uh, and he will do so with his annual fundraising gala. A funny thing happened on the way to the cure... Funny... Sorry... A funny thing happened on the way to cure Parkinson's. Uh, the milestone event was originally slated for last year, uh, obviously, but was postponed due to the pandemic. While a cure may not be around the corner, Fox tells us the foundation has had a direct hand in developing several therapies. Uh, they are therapies that have made life a lot better for a lot of people. Fox also says that uh, he enjoys life more and he is more comfortable in his skin than he was 20 years ago. Uh, He can sit down and be calm. He couldn't do that 25 years ago. That's the medications, the drug cocktails, the therapies that have been a part of all of this. Uh, The organization has also improved communication between patients and uh, the medical and academic communities. Uh, Fox credits much of the success to Foundation CEO and co-founder Deborah W. Brooks saying she's just magic. Um, So great work being done here by Michael J. Fox and his foundation, which will celebrate 20 years. Um, I hearken back to to one thing that I always thought was great about Michael J. Fox was um, maybe about 10 years ago now, more or less, uh, he appeared on a season of Curb Your Enthusiasm and he appeared uh, on the whole season as a recurring character. Uh, Larry was living in New York at the time and he was in an uh, apartment complex and Michael J. Fox lived upstairs from him and throughout the entire season they poked fun at Michael's condition and Michael was a great sport about it but they were poking fun in order to raise awareness for Parkinson's which is what I thought again was comedic genius by Larry David and company including Michael J. Fox Um, but one of the funniest episodes and I do think it is probably one of my favorite if not the favorite moment in Kirby enthusiasm is Larry goes up to Michael's apartment to confront him about stomping at night because Michael wears special boots due to the Parkinson's and um, Michael asks Larry if he wants a drink Larry says yes Michael hands him a can of coke and when Larry opens the can it sprays everywhere so now Larry is trying to figure out if it was the Parkinson's that caused the soda to be shaken up and explode on him or if Michael did it on purpose if Michael purposely shook the can and there's an entire episode about was it the Parkinson's or did he do it on purpose and again it's just comedic genius uh I I love that it is probably it it is right up there if not my favorite one of my favorite uh moments in Kirby Enthusiasm history but I thought it was such a great season because I thought it did a great job of, of bringing awareness to Parkinson's and kind of showing Michael um, in a different light. You know, we, we saw him on um, in, in previous roles, um, you know, but we hadn't really seen him since Spin City, since he left Spin City. Uh, you know, we saw him in Family Ties, obviously, and then he had the, the Spin City sitcom. But once he left Spin City, we didn't really see how the disease or how anything was going with Michael. So his return to TV and Curb Enthusiasm about 10 years ago, we got to see him actually functioning with Parkinson's. And it was a great vehicle to shed light on 
um, Parkinson's disease and also Michael's foundation. Um, so again, like I said, I was going to spend some time talking about the John Gruden situation, but I saw this report in Variety and just thought it was a better use of time here to go ahead and, and talk about Michael J. Fox and his foundation and, and the fact that they've already raised over $1 billion to help find a cure for Parkinson's. And uh, we wish them all the, the best of luck and, and continued uh, continued uh, well wellness right? I guess continued, continued luck, continued wellness in their journey to find the cure. Uh, you know, science folks, it's a wonderful thing. Well, as we talked about on last week's show, the major league baseball playoffs are in full swing and we are now on to the league championship series. And, uh, we'll say somewhat surprisingly, there are two teams unexpectedly, perhaps, leading their series. Let's start in the AL, where the Boston Red Sox currently have a two games to one lead over the Houston Astros. Uh, Houston took game one, five to four over the Red Sox in Houston. Uh, Game two, Red Sox took down in Houston, nine to five. Uh, Then we switched up to Fenway on Monday night, and the Red Sox took that game 12-3 in just a home run barrage. Uh, Red Sox hitting four home runs in that game. Of The Red Sox have been red hot hitting the ball lately. It's got to look like beach balls to these guys. I mean, in that 9-5 victory uh, down in Houston, uh, I believe they hit two grand slams uh, in that game. Um, Just potent, potent Red Sox offense right now. Pitching is, is doing their job, and uh, defense is backing the pitching up uh, in the field. And uh, I, I'm going to say somewhat a surprise. Um, again, a long way to go in this series. I do think it will go seven games. I think this series is far from over. Um, but again, the Red Sox are just red hot right now. And if they keep hitting the ball like this, uh, anything is possible. I mean, Kiki Hernandez... Uh, in company are and company are just uh, red hot at the plate uh, in Monday night's game JD Martinez hit a home run uh, Devers hit a home run I mean the Red Sox are just seeing the ball and hitting it really well right now and they find themselves in a good position uh, they will have uh, a game a game four will be on Tuesday up in Boston and uh, we'll see if they can take uh, a bit more of a commanding lead in this series and and make it a three to one series heading back to Houston. Uh, But right now the Red Sox are up in the ALCS two to one in the series again with uh, game four to be played at Fenway on Tuesday night. Over in the NL, we've got the Dodgers and the Braves and the Dodgers are down in the series to zip to the Braves in somewhat of a surprising fashion. Um, I think clearly coming out of that San Francisco series, many people had the Dodgers as the favorite uh, and the Braves kind of the underdog in this one. And what makes it even more interesting is the Braves have won both of these games on walk-offs in the ninth inning. Both of these games uh, in Atlanta, um, and the Braves win those games on walk-offs in the ninth inning. Uh, game one was three to two, Braves over the Dodgers, and game two was five to four with the Braves over the Dodgers. And uh, they will play game three in LA on Tuesday as well. That one will be the afternoon uh, game of the doubleheader. That'll that'll be at 5:08 um, Eastern Standard Time, and then the Red Sox and Astros 
will play at uh, 8.08 Eastern Standard Time. Um, but this this Braves-Dodgers series is really wild. It's also kind of crazy because, again, the Dodgers are the wild card. The Dodgers won 106 games in the regular season, and the Braves have home field advantage in this series. So that's, that's kind of crazy. And the home field advantage has, to this part, really helped the Braves get out to this 2-0 lead. Again, as I said, two walk-off game winners in the bottom of the ninth uh, in Atlanta. So uh, the Dodgers find themselves down 2-0 in that series. And we'll see if the Dodgers can bounce back. You know, I want to take a minute and talk a little bit more about the Dodgers' previous series because clearly I think we're in for a great one in the ALCS with Boston and Houston. But, um, I mean, we had a dandy, uh, a classic, an instant classic in the divisional series between um, the Giants and the Dodgers. I mean, you have two teams that uh, had the best records in baseball, like uh, all of baseball had the best records in baseball. Uh, San Francisco won the division in the West and the Dodgers were the wild card. It went a full five games. The series went five games and it literally went down to the ninth inning of game five and it was just heartbreak for the Giants Uh, at 109 wins uh, it really came down to one mistake and that was when Turner from the Dodgers was hit by a pitch by Duvall in the ninth Uh, that's really what cost San Francisco in that series because it put the runner aboard and uh, then Turner eventually made it over to second and the Dodgers got the winning hit and, and won the series and uh, you know watching the Giants this season was amazing because this was a team that many experts said middle of the road team like 75 win team like a lot of people were not expecting greatness out of the San Francisco Giants this year and they won 109 games by the time the playoffs were over it was 109 wins uh, I believe it took them 107 to win the division they won the game they won the division by one game over the Dodgers again I think it was 107 uh, and then the Dodgers had 106 wins um, but it really was for San Francisco this year it was a combination of a uh, combination of great pitching uh, and 10 guys who hit at least 10 home runs and just no major additions like they didn't, they didn't they weren't like the Dodgers and the Red Sox who kind of added at the trade deadline they just they went with what they had they got great pitching this year great hitting and it was a phenomenal season um, but it ended in heartbreak for them um, you have you know uh, the Giants had a chance to win it um, it came down to a questionable call strike three by Scherzer to win the series but you know what let's be honest uh, did I think it was a strike? No, I didn't think it was a strike. But if Duvall doesn't hit Turner, then the Giants don't find themselves in that situation in the bottom of the ninth. So again, you could point to the to the umpire's call, and maybe it was it was a bad call. Not maybe it was a bad call. I, I don't think he went around on the swing. I think he checked his swing uh, when it was a called strike three. But again, the mistake really. If we're looking at it and we're being fair, the mistake occurred when Duvall hits Turner, and that cost the Giants 
the series and, you know, allow the Dodgers to go ahead and move on now and uh, face face the Braves. Um, but it was a great series um, between the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, again, that, that game um, was 2-1, to one, the Dodgers over the Giants in Game 5, and um, here we are now. We find ourselves in the NLCS, and the ALCS, we are in the League Championship Series, and uh, we will see who makes it to the World Series. As it stands right now, uh, the Boston Red Sox are leading the ALCS 2-1 to one over the Houston Astros, and the Atlanta Braves have the lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers, 2-zip in the NLCS. So uh, two unlikely candidates right now, uh, in the eyes of many, um, are working their way towards the World Series. So we'll continue to monitor these series and see what happens over the next few days. And of course, we will talk about it more here on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, especially uh, once we are at the World Series. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week and encourage you to come on back next week. And until then, remember, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes. Stay positive. Test negative. Do what you know is right, regardless of the choices others make. Say I love you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And be kind to one another. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Remember to look down the side streets because that's where the best stories are. And when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.